Amen. Were you blessed by the ladies today? Amen and amen and amen. If you have your Bible, children, you are dismissed to head back to Children's Chapel. If you have your Bible, if you would please take it with me. Let's say our Bible decree together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. If you have your Bible, if you would please turn to Psalms chapter 31. Psalms 31 verses 1 through 22. Psalms 31 verses 1 through 22. That will be the text that we'll be highlighting today as we discuss just breathe. Just breathe. How many of you in this room have ever had a panic attack? Wow, amazing. So have I. So today we're going to look at it a little bit different as we go on it as we're attacking panic. Many of us have had to face the trials and tribulations and we understand what, what, uh, what panic can do to a person and what stress can do to a person and what animosity can do to a person, abandonment can do to a person. It induces anxiety. It induces panic. A photographer was assigned to get photos of a, fir- a forest fire. Because it was too much smoke, he hired a plane so he could fly over the forest. And when he had arrived at the airport, a plane was warming up near the runway. He jumped in and said, let's go, let's go. The pilot received clearance and they took off. The photographer looked out the window and said, fly over the north side of the fire and make three or four low-level passes. The pilot asked, why do you want to do that? The photographer said, because I'm a photographer and I'm going to take some pictures The pilot paused, and he asked, You're not the flight instructor? (laughs) These guys know what it means to have a panic attack. Most of us have been there. We've been in a situation that caused us to panic. When you find out that you won't be able to meet a deadline at work, panic starts to take place. When you oversleep for a job interview, panic overtakes us. Or when you discover you don't have the money to pay a bill. When you feel a lump under your skin. When you have to sing in front of the church or you have to speak such as today in front of the church, panic starts to set in. When your child storms out of the house and doesn't come home for hours, panic starts to set in. But when some people panic, they become unglued. Others face panic more stoically and in an attempt to mask their fear. Regardless of how we handle panic externally, the internal result is the same. We become immobilized and powerless. Back when I was in high school, I, I loved theater. I loved music, and many of you know that. And I sang, and uh, I was the lead role in West Side Story. Man, it was just such a great production. They said it was going to be three nights. And I thought, three nights I'm going to have to do this? Maria, I've just kissed a girl named Maria. And then 
you know, it, it really breaks out into some of these cool songs. Can it be? Could it be? Something's coming. Something's good. Okay, I'll, I'll okay. So I, I just thought, see, after 35 years, I still haven't forgotten it, right? And uh, someday, someday. Oh, that's my twin sister says I was amazing, right? You're supposed to say those things. But, uh, but I'll never forget that first night. That first night was catastrophic for me. Because you know what happened? I panicked. <gasps> Help me up, somebody. Todd, just breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe. Breathe through it. Don't panic. You look like a fool in front of your church right now. Don't panic. So anyhow... I, uh, you know, you know, when you're 20, you can just jump right up on your feet. Now, did you guys notice that you have to roll, put your hand here, boost up all these things take place when you're, when you're 50, you just can't get up like you used to. I want to think that I'm 20, but I'm not, but panic started to set in. And you know what they said to me? Just breathe, just breathe. I looked out there and I'm like, uh, do you know how many people are out there in that auditorium? There's like 800 people. That's 800 people that if I do, Maria, they're going to look at me like, oh, he had the lead role. And then there was like this one song. uh, I forget what it was, what part it was in, but uh, tonight, tonight won't be just any night, whatever. But however it went at that time, it was like they wanted me to do this falsetto part, like tonight, tonight. And I'm thinking, How in the world am I ever going to do that part? That's what induced panic in me. I'm thinking, do you guys understand? So I had to go to Kent State University. They they gave me this this, uh, voice instructor, music instructor, and they're like, you will learn how to breathe through this. And I got out there, and I made it through it. Praise God. But it didn't stop the panic that was set in. It didn't stop the fear that was set in. And as I started thinking about this message and what my wife went through and how she said, just breathe, and she gave me some, uh, some statistics of what was happening and, 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 I mean, how to work through breathing and how to relax. And, and we understand that there's endorphins and all kinds of things that when you're, you're trying to, to make it through, uh, trying to feel relaxed, you breathe through it. And if you've ever had a panic attack, You know, back in the day, they'd throw you a paper bag and say, breathe in it. Well, you would have to start to breathe because you'd start to lose a little bit of who you are. That was me. I started to lose a little bit of who I was. And at one point, and that was no exaggeration, I was literally out there on the floor. And I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. It never happened to me before. I thought, what is going to happen to me? Am I going to be able to, to walk out there and do this? But I did. I faced my fears. And I, I knew I was able to get over it, but because I had a whole group of cast members that says, you've got this. Never before has that ever happened. I'm like, why am I breathing like this? I can't even catch my breath. And they're like, because there's so much anxiety. And yes, it was fun, and I had been in front of, of people before, but it doesn't stop that every single week I step up to this platform that nerves don't overtake me. My nerves start from 6 a.m. in the morning to, to the minute I say, amen, you're dismissed and go home. And then I'm like, oh, get me home. I want to go to bed. Nerves overtake us. But yet panic 
has a way of doing that. Those important meetings, sitting down and talking to your family members in a serious manner, or, or when, when levels start to heighten, what do you do in a, in a moment like that to kind of, as my wife says, suppress some of that green fog that wants to start to uh, appear or raise its ugly head? We've all been there. And many of us understand that. But today, we're going to look at Psalms uh, 31 verses 1 through 22. And David wrote after he endured a severe panic attack. And it almost got the best of him. But he overcame it through his faith, through his hope and trust in the power of God. And as he reflected on this experience, he paused, he took a breath, and he just said, I've got to breathe through this. I must breathe through this. So he wrote 31 Psalm. And I'm going to be reading this narrative out of the New Living Translation this morning. And it is the lament of David. It is the time in his life where he was crying out because his son Absalom, it's Absalom, his son, was out to kill him. He flees to Jerusalem to get away, to find a quiet place. So that he could find peace. And I love that in this text that God highlights even what Jonah had to say in the Bible. You'll notice that Jonah made a quote. Jeremiah made a quote. And what was so comforting for me was that when I look at the scriptures, that even in this psalm, David quotes the same thing that Jesus said when he was on the cross. And I hope that if you've had to deal with any type of anxiety or panic in your life, that today when we get through with this message, that you'll be able to say, it doesn't matter. I'm going to trust in God. We're in a time in our life, and I I have to address this, to say to all of you in this church, don't panic. Our God's in control. We'll make it through anything. Whether you're right, you're left, you're independent, you're in the middle, no matter where you're at, it doesn't matter, and it has never mattered. I've been through so many different Republican and Democratic presidents that for me, I've prayed for all of them. I understood my position. And my position is to pray for our president. Listen, they all need prayer. If you're a politician, they all need prayer. I had to just throw that in there. And uh, But we have to come to a place where we understand that even in King David's life, he needed prayer and he had to cry out to God because, see, things don't always go our way. And when we make mistakes, we have a tendency to deflect and blame other people. But yet King David had to stop and look at this text and understand what his position was. Do you understand what your position is? Do you understand what your position is in Christ? That's something to really think about. I know what my position is. As a pastor, I know what my position is as a husband to this beautiful, awesome first lady of your church, Becky. I knew that when we were 15 years old, she was 16, that, that wow, she's an amazing, amazing individual. And I'm blessed that today she's still a part of my life and she puts up with my OCD and chaos. 
but she understands her position as much as I understand my position. I know what my position is to my four daughters. I know what that looks like. And I really know what my position is to those son-in-laws. Don't ever forget it. We all have to understand what our position is. We all have to understand how we need to gain knowledge and glean wisdom from the Almighty God. And humility has to come into place in every one of our lives in order that we can rise above any panic attack. That we can look at that panic and attack it head on. And you're going, but it's not that easy, Pastor. I know it's not that easy. That's why I'm preaching to myself today. So let's continue. Psalms 31. Oh Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection. A fortress where I will be safe. A place of defense where I will be safe. In verse 3, you are my rock and my fortress for the honor of your name. Lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap of mine enemies set for me. For I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. I hate those who worship worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love. For you have seen my troubles. I love this part. And you care about the anguish of my soul. And that you care about the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemies, but have set me in a safe place. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes and my body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I am ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pod. If I, had, I have heard the many rumors about me and I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. Woo! Interesting, isn't it? Wow. So he's identifying what's going on. He sees what is happening. And yet, right here, he says in verse 14, he says, but I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, you are my God. Exclamation point. Saying, and I acknowledge that you are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, rescue me. Don't let me be disgraced, O Lord, for I call out to you for help. Let the wicked be disgraced. Let them lie silent in the grave. Silence their lying lips, those proud and arrogant lips that accuse the godly. How great is the goodness, verse 19, you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection. 
blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for he has shown me in the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In panic, I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord. But you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Then he concludes. Love the Lord, all you godly ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him. But he harshly punishes the arrogant. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. So what was David going through? It seems like his enemies were out to get him. And it says here, if you'll notice again, in verses 11 through 13, because of all of my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, an object of dread to my acquaintances, those who see me in the street flee from me. He realized right then in verse 12, I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel for I hear the whispering of many terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. You see what was happening here. David was feeling threatened. People were talking about him. They disapproved of him. People didn't want to be near him. He was dead to them. People were scheming. They were scamming against him. David was anxious, and in this moment, he was panicking. And many of us have to realize that when we're like that, we have some choices to make. One, you can write this down, we could do nothing and remain anxious and nervous. Feel powerless and impotent. We can try to get out of the situation on our own power, hoping our decisions are the right ones. And you know, when we're in these dire situations, we have a tendency to do what? Make rash decisions. Or two, you can stop, take a breath, breathe. And trust in the power and the presence of God. You can seek God's face and draw closer to Him and use His power, His wisdom, and His grace to help you. It's amazing, isn't it? So how can we attack panic? When panic attacks, Church, do not trust your feelings. Do not trust your feelings. In verse 22, David said, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. David thought God had abandoned him. They were out to kill him, to destroy him. He didn't want, you know, remember, he's still the little dude that could. He took that sling and those five stones and he put them in there and he took down the greatest giant of all times and everybody was applauding him and all the world was watching. But yet he had an affair with a woman called Bathsheba and because of his sin, he lost his focus. He put it on man instead of the Creator God. Have you been there? 
Have you been in the place where in your life you've said, okay, church just isn't for me. I'm going to forget going. I'm sick of the pastor. He owes this to me. I deserve this. I need this kind of preferential treatment. We've forgotten who he is because you put your eyes on man instead of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who gives us hope. Don't trust your feelings. You see, David was convinced he was all alone and God could not do anything to help him. So he became alarmed and began to panic. Panic. Too often when we feel or when we feel that we're under attack, we begin to listen to what? Our, our feelings. Debbie always tells me, Pastor, I think that stinking thinking got the best of me. She told me that 20 years ago. Stinking thinking, and I'll never forget it, because when stinking thinking gets the best of us, it takes us on a journey that's worse than the double loop and the corkscrew and the big Gemini at Cedar Point. And it isn't a thrill. You think it is until afterwards it's not so good. Because anxiety starts to set in. Panic starts to set in. We start to listen to our feelings. And then we base our beliefs on what appears to be true rather than on the promises of God's word. Did you hear what I said? Sure, I'll go ahead. Thanks for asking about that. Beliefs on what happens to be true rather than on the promise of God's word. Have you ever panicked about something only to realize you're wrong? We may beat ourselves up over it, yet we realize everything was based on our feelings and not reality. This is like counseling class 101. Because we, we, we often feel that way. Have you ever bought something and thought, man, that was a bit pricey, and after walking into the house, it occurred to you. I left the item on the shopping cart at Walmart. That's a terrible feeling. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that with me this week. I'm just through this interview. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you run back to the car because what starts to happen inside of you? You panic. Anxiety starts to fill up within you. You're filled with panic. And on the floor of the back seat, there is the bag with that most expensive item in it. And yet you forget where you were at or what you've done. And then all of this anxiety starts to overtake you. And then you have to walk back in the house. And you have to stop. You have to pause. And you have to do what? Breathe through it. Exactly, Melissa. You have to breathe through it. Your feelings may tell you God has deserted you. But God promises us in verse 5, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know, when anxiety has come over me, I'm like, God, why am I doing this? I'm looking at myself instead of you. And so we have to stop and look at our life and say, okay, if Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, listen, he's with me. He's with me through this issue. He's with me through my health. He's with me through uh, a pandemic. He's with me through an election. He's with me through divorce. He's with me through uh, my addiction. He's with me through my hurts. He's with me through everything. He's always with me. Church, Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is in this room. Isn't it great to have him today? Amen. Amen. That's where we have to put our faith and trust in Him. Your feelings may be telling you your situation is more than you can handle. You may feel God has abandoned you. You may feel you deserve what you're getting. You may feel you're not worthy of God's power and of His, of his love. 
But then God reminds us in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. That's a promise that you can trust. Your feelings may tell you to give up because God has more important things to worry about than you. But you have to agree with me. that The Bible says God watches over you because you are important to him. You're his dearly beloved child. He chose you, he loves you, and you are a big deal. And when that feeling of panic sets in, that feeling that tells you the worst is about to happen, don't listen to it. You hear what I'm saying? When panic starts to set in and anxiety, do not listen to what your voice in your head has to say. When you're overwhelmed with the feeling you're on your own and God is nowhere to be found, don't believe in it. Do not trust your feelings and do not trust the lies of Satan. He is the one who is our enemy. And if he can uh, stir up fear within you, then you will lose your faith and trust in a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. Just do not believe in your feelings. And if you trust your feelings, you'll become powerless. You'll become immobilized. Or you'll be tempted to fall apart. Or you'll withdraw and try to run from the situation. Or you'll just give in to despair and give up completely. You may not be able to change your feelings, but you don't have to trust them. Instead, when you're tempted to panic, just stop, breathe, and ask God for help. In spite of how you feel, talk to God. And that's what David did. Notice how he finished here in verse 22, if you have your Bible. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Did you get that? Even the alarms were going off telling David that God had abandoned him. So what did he do? The only thing that he could do. What did he do? He prayed, right church? He prayed and the prayer drew him closer to God. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? What I'm trying to say to you today is don't trust your feelings. Trust God. When your feelings run out of control, cry out to God for help. And I will tell you something you already know. He will hear you. He hears your cry. So also, when you are tempted to panic, you need to put other people out of your mind. That's hard to do, isn't it? You know, um, you remember the, the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? A person auditioned for the show and qualified for the next level of the screening process, but he decided not to continue. And here's what he said. What if I make it to the chair and miss an easy question? In front of all those people, in front of all those viewers... I would be humiliated. Everyone would laugh at me. So this guy panicked about not answering a question he hadn't even been asked. And panicked about people who'll never know him. And they don't even know, they may not even know the question. But isn't it something what we set up in our mind? And one thing that makes a panicky situation go from bad to worse is allowing yourself to be concerned about other people. Don't worry about what they 
That's quotes. Was it giving you the peace sign? Peace. <laughs> Don't worry about what they think. Don't worry about whether they like you or not. Don't worry about that they might take pleasure in your tragedies or in your hardship. I hate to say this, but no matter who you are, there are people who just won't like you. You're shocked I told you that, aren't you? I know, because everybody likes you, right? Hence this past week's election. Just throwing that in there. They probably don't have it in them to be your friend. They would rather be your enemy. And this kind of person would be happy to hear that you're having business problems or that you're having marital problems or even health problems. It's unfortunate, but there are people like that. And when you face a difficult situation, if you start worrying about what they think, you'll have a hard time focusing on the solution. And I realize we all have to deal with difficult people. Maybe the difficult people are the reason for your problems, or maybe they're just breathing down your neck and making your problems more difficult to manage. I laugh because I've experienced that. Either way, you have to learn to ignore them. And here's what David had to say in the scriptures. And here's how he dealt with his enemies. He began to turn himself over to God. And here's what he said in verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say that you are my God, and my times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. David didn't try to fight his own battles. He asked God to fight his battles for him. He asked God to deal with his enemies as well. You can feel the intensity of the words when he says in verse 17, Let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt, They speak arrogantly against the righteous. So church, here's what I'm saying. Don't worry about what other people think or say or do. Give yourself to God and let him deal with all of it. Let him deal with them. How are you really going to fight people filled with pride or with contempt or with arrogance? Are you going to do it with lying lips? Don't get sidetracked into fighting a battle God doesn't want you to fight. Don't let criticism or stares or silence hold you back. Follow the path that God set out for you. Follow the path that God set out for you. For he cares for you. He loves you. In the ministry, I've had all the naysayers. I've had all the gainsayers. You'll never make it. You know, you don't have what it takes to be a pastor. You're not good enough. I remember when I was a youth pastor, trying to get ordained was like pulling eye teeth out of the pastor's mouth. Like, what was so hard about it? You know, ordination means that you have proven to be in a position of leadership and you follow the attributes that are set out in Timothy and Titus to lead effectively. And yet, we have a tendency to allow other people to affect us. So I stand up here, speaking to you today, knowing that many of you know this about me, and many of you don't, that I had to go through speech therapy, and that fear still overcomes me. Do you know I think about it probably about 10 or 15 times? 
When you speak publicly, you don't want to speak unintelligently. You want to speak intellectually, and you want to speak so that people understand and they're engaging in your conversation. But if I were to say to you today, because of what I had to go through, I had a very difficult time saying my R's. And so it took me about seven years to go through speech therapy. So every time, you don't know this, but you guys know what spittle is? I preached a message on it once. Spittle means that you spit, okay? That's spittle in the King James Version. So I'm giving you a little bit of King James Version. But I know that when I'm up here speaking, when I spittle, because you see I have a gap, that for some is called gleeking. I cannot gleek like my mother-in-law that could shoot, you know, a fly off the back wall by gleeking. I can't do that. But I'm really professional at spittling. And so when I'm up here speaking to each and every one of you, I know that when my hand's there, I'm thinking, oh, help me, Lord. If they saw I just spittled all over my hands, they'd be like, ooh, that's gross, preacher. So uh, keep your distance, social distancing, and please do not shake my hand after service. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, But because of my R's, I have to pronunciate my words just so articulately or they come out not the white way. Because of Oz, you wouldn't be able to understand me if I was up here speaking right now. So I, I have that fear that overcomes me. You wouldn't know this, but that's what I deal with. I deal with how am I going to articulate when I had so many people tell me you'll never make it. You know, it's, it's a terrible thing when you have people that tell you you can't. And then I realized that I served an almighty God that said I can. He said you can do all things. And even though I stand up here, and this is very humbling for me to even, you know, I'm talking about ours and I'm getting all sappy. But to know that you want your people to grow in Christ so much that it's your number one desire is to see you just fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ. And then one day, when I bow my knee before him and he ushers me into heaven, that he just says to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Then I'm before him and he says, you know, Todd, you did what you could. That's why I called you to preach. Thank you for surrendering. And that's where it's at. It's just a matter of surrender. And finally, here's my last point. I'll go through it quickly. When you're tempted to panic, run straight into the arms of God. When you're tempted to panic, run run straight into the arms of God. When you read this psalm, you'll see how the situation affected David. It really knocked him off his feet. Listen to what he says in verses 9 and 10. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief. My soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow. My tears with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. David was trying to say here, I'm in a mess, Lord, and it's all my fault. No wonder he panicked. No wonder he thought God deserted him. It would have been easy for David to think, there's no way God will have anything to do with me now. Instead of running from God, David ran to God because he knew God's power and love was bigger than any mistake Bigger than any sin, bigger than any flaw, bigger than any insecurity, bigger than any inadequacy he would ever make. 
And so then he says this in verse 7 and 8. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You've known the distress of my soul. And you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. In the middle of his anxiety and panic, listen, when you feel like your knees are knocking and you're losing it, do what I do. I stand up here in between songs and I say, God, I need your help. Before I preach, I'm down here and I say, God, I need your help. I run into the arms of God and I know at the end of the service, sometimes I'm like, what did I say today, Beck? Sometimes I'll go back to my message and I'm like, I actually said that in a message? No, I didn't say it. He did because it was right at that moment when panic started to set in and fear started to overcome me that I said, God, I'm putting my faith and trust in you. So listen closely, church, as I close. God knows and understands what you're going through. If you're tempted to panic, God understands it. Even if you brought every single bit of it on yourself, it's not too late. You can still turn it over to God and He will help you. For you, the situation may seem hopeless, but it's not hopeless for God. If you feel like a deer in headlights, there's only one thing that you could do. You may feel you have nowhere to run, but you do have somewhere to run. Run to God. Next time you're in a situation which is causing you to panic, stop. Take a breath. Take a deep breath. Inhale as you count and exhale slowly. And realize that it's very important for you to turn to God as fast as you can. So what do I mean when I say run to God? What do you do? Ask God for help. David said, incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. Don't be afraid, church, to ask God for help. Don't be afraid to ask God for help. That's prayer. And it may be that you usually don't trust or you don't turn to God or trust in Him. But God is waiting for you to call out to Him. Cry out to Him. He will heal and hear your requests and your prayers. Give everything you have to God. Listen to this correlation. And it just hit me this morning. Listen very, very closely. Because this is the finale of today's message. And the conclusion. And if you've been struggling with addiction. If you've been struggling with any form of anxiety. If you've been struggling about worrying. If you've been stressed out over what's going to happen in this country, I want you to practice something. And this is the only thing I can teach you as a pastor to his people. Because David said it best. When Jesus Christ said it on the cross, in verse 5 it says, Into your hand I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. 
Here's what you're really saying to God. God, you're my hope. I have no plan B. I'm putting all my trust in you. And then let God lead you. Because David said, for you are my rock, you're my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Free me from this situation. Whether you're at fault or you're a victim of circumstances, God will set you free. He will show you a way out. Start looking to God and let Him lead you. Even Jesus says, into your hand, I commit my spirit. True surrender means letting go of yourself and letting God take full control. Do you receive that today, church? Do you understand that even from David's life and even in Jesus Christ as he was on the cross, he said, into your hands, I'm letting go. I can't do it anymore. I give you full control. Let's rise to our feet. We panic when we feel powerless. Thanks be to God. We are never powerless. We are His kids and He is our greatest parent. He is our Father. Give us His power to help us. And when you're tempted to panic, you don't have to face the situation on your own. When you think you have nowhere to run, you've got to know where to run. Think about it. When you think you have nowhere to run, you've got to know where to run. Run to God. Say this with me, church. Run to God. And let Him save you. That way, you will be attacking panic, and panic won't be attacking you. For 25 years, I've stood before people realizing I have a choice to make. It's either I allow panic and anxiety overcome me or I allow myself to panic and allow it to attack me or I say to myself, I'm attacking panic head on because I'm powerless without the power of Almighty God. Listen to this. One wise woman told me last evening as I was telling her about how I was putting together this message. And that wise woman was 5'10", most gorgeous beauty that I've ever seen in my life with a beautiful smile. And here's what she said to me. You know, Todd, that was my wife. I, I know you were shocked. Do you know that the very first breath in the Bible was God breathed? He gave Adam life. You know that the very first cry of a baby is when it takes its first breath? Well, really, interesting, Becky. I think I'm going to have to write that down. Can you repeat that for me? So she did. And she said, just think about it. When the Spirit leaves our body, it leaves with one last breath. In the book of Psalms, let the last book and the very last verse reads. So she quoted to me Psalms 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So I praise God in a time where we can allow panic to overcome us or we attack it head on and we just praise the power, the one true living God 
And I don't have to go back to who he was. You heard it at the beginning of the message. We know who he is. And church, aren't you thankful that we can praise a God who can get us through any situation? Amen? How many of you believe that you're on the winning side? Amen? Let's just praise him then. Let us pray. Father God, we love you and we come to you. We come to this altar. Lord, realizing that we need you. Lord, that many of us have faced days of uncertainty in our lives, feeling like that when anxiety or anything that attacks us, the things that we greatly fear will overcome us, Lord, that it becomes controlling. And it's hard sometimes, God, that in the midst of our anxiety to just let go and surrender it and say, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit, my will, my emotions, my pride, my flesh. But God, today we run to you. We cry out to you. And we ask that God, that you become more powerful and we become more powerless. God, thank you for true surrender. So today I stand behind your pulpit on this platform in your house of praise, this place of worship, in the house of prayer to say, into your hands I commit my spirit. And God, we give you all of our fears, all of our anxiety. Change us, Lord. Reshape us. Refocus us. For you are worthy of our praise. Thank you, God, for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need the Lord, come to him today. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart and your life, come to him today. If you want to come to an altar and just lay it at the altar... Come to him today and say, Lord, I'm leaving my fear, my anxiety, my stress, all the things that Satan keeps getting a stronghold in my life, I'm letting go of it. And when I stand up from this altar, I'm going to say, yes, it is well with my soul. If you need him today, then would you run to him today?